0: all right this is true news 365 uh today i want to talk religion and politics um uh and uh definitely religion and politics mixes like milk and coffee okay so my podcast title was inspired by our new ninja coffee maker which is so dope i had to put it in the title it makes like five Different coffee variations, bruised teas, and even has a milk frother on the side. And it's crazy, easy to use. I love it, okay? But it's true. Despite what every damn body seems to believe, that religion and politics don't mix, everyone says the same thing, it's become a taboo, but religion and politics actually belong together, like milk and coffee, like bread and butter, like peanut butter and jelly, Okay? And I'll go even further to say that without religion you can't even have politics, okay? By and large, the craziness we're seeing in the culture today and its explosion of immorality is the direct result of only decades of Christian silence in the public square. Most Christians start believing a few lies tossed into the atmosphere of general discourse. Things like, religion and politics don't mix. Things like, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, don't force your religion down people's throats all this stuff and now the new thing is Christian nationalism and the alignment with what happened on January the 6th and those wackos with what they did and how they behaved okay representing themselves as Christians the the world loved it they ate it up this type of alignment and false accusation has shut down not only the importance of the gospel truth of Christ in the culture It's set in an intimidation factor by which it's become almost taboo to talk about truth, law, morality, and especially if you're Christian. And it has made Christ irrelevant in society. That's the new tag being placed on Christians who try to mitigate the secularist culture from dominating in the public square and within politics. Okay, As soon as a Christian says, hey, that's not right, they're called a Christian nationalist, and someone yells, Separation of church and state, separation of church and state, which is yet another lie floating out in the atmosphere. Okay, separation of church and state is about state churchhood and the state adopting one church or one religion over another. Okay, it's not about keeping religious people out of government or maintaining zero influence or opinion and laws and how to govern the nation. Okay, it doesn't mean Christians can't have an opinion, can't vote on stuff, can't have a, a, a brain. In the meantime, the message of sexual revolution, self-autonomy, and secularism—oh, that goes, oh, that gets dominant to, to dominate in the culture, in our laws. New legislation reflecting secularist thought and immorality gets passed without any problems whatsoever. Secularist opinion, interest, and immorality ends up as legislation and serves to marginalize those who hold different standard of morality on family issues, education, and how to govern themselves. And 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 this many have argued it's just another religion, the religion of secularism. I've demonstrated how, in my podcast and previous podcasts, how secularism is itself a religion, and we all have a form of religion, whether we want to admit it or not. Secularists have allowed to not just come out of the closet, but to force Christianity into the closet. It's muzzled the voice of God in the culture, and we've allowed it to happen, and continue to allow it to happen. Today we have such squishy, no-backbone-having Christian representation that anyone who stands up for the most pure biblical truth is seen as extreme. Today, pure Christianity is very, um, is very seldom seen in what we call conservatism. But the conservatism, conservatism today, if it doesn't disregard Christianity altogether, will water it down to the point where it's unrecognizable and impotent with regard to cultural and societal relevance. But the truth is, you have to look at the big picture on politics. Politics, by and large, is about how we govern ourselves, how we keep order in society, how we protect people. It's about rights and privileges. It's about laws. And where do our laws come from? And this is where the Christian, the true Christian, who has true conviction as a Christian, has to not just put on their thinking caps, But they need to turn up their spiritual discernment and also be as biblically and spiritually consistent as possible. Answer this question, Christian. Can man govern himself adequately without God? Ask yourself that question when you come to this issue. What theme do we see happening again and again in the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, with regard to people and laws? The laws that we have now, where did they come from? So trying to keep this podcast as short and concise as possible, let's just say that laws are almost entirely about morality, justice, and our standing before God. And politics are almost entirely about laws. About fairness, equity, rights, privileges, equal protection for all. And that is always relevant to God. So bottom line, if, if, if not God's laws, then whose? Where are we going to derive just laws if not from God? We've seen throughout human history the source of justice, fairness, equity, and morality cannot come from men. If we haven't seen that by now, then we're seriously wishing upon a star. So I'm going to toss out some questions that, I, that might get our minds thinking, okay, on religion and politics. For instance, um, should Christians be involved in politics? What about Christian nationalism? What do you think it is? What, what is God's law? What do you think is God's law? Should we vote or should we not vote as Christians? Should we fight in in our nation's wars or should we not? Are we Christians first and American citizens second or the other way around? School boards, local community involvement, do we have a say as Christians? What about our children and our grandchildren? Is it just about us in the here and now, or should we care about the nation and the world that our children will have to deal with and the laws we set up for them moving forward. On evangelism, is there such thing as private evangelism? Can we do evangelism without opening up our mouths? Jesus called out, repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. Can you do that in your own home when Christ said to go out and proclaim everywhere? What about this this whole deal about salt and light? What's that? Where does that play out? How does it play out? Is that just being nice, helping old ladies cross the street or waiting around for someone to notice how nice and calm-spirited you are so they can say, hey, now that is a true Christian right there. What was John the Baptist doing bothering King Herod about his adultery and incest? What what was was up with that? What what, What did that have to do with the message of the New Testament? It's all about love. Love them from far, but stop forcing God down people's throats, okay? what What is this issue about natural law? The book of Romans says that God has placed right and wrong in everyone's hearts, so they'll listen and obey it, right? Yes? Is that what that means? Romans 1 demonstrates that the judgment of God is descending upon who have progressively denied him and have gone so far that they no longer have sound minds. It's talking about a group of people, not just someone, but of a collective rebellion. Also, the heart is exceedingly wicked and evil. Who can know it? The Bible asks. The natural trajectory of humanity is to not do God's will. Okay? The Old Testament theme on and off is that there arose a generation that did what was right in their own eyes, meaning that they became wicked and progressed into wickedness from the trajectory of having god's standard this is why we need to do what it says in deuteronomy 6 teach our children diligently teach them as they rise up as they lie down as you walk along the way that's why paul said to timothy preach the word in season and out of season meaning all the time in other words nations need a standard if you if you ask what about other religions if if we expect god's laws to dominate what about other moralities and other religions other religions including the church of satan which has propped up itself up specifically to mitigate the the working and the work of a christian church in 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 god's standard of governance within our nation that's what its sole purpose therefore is to stumble christianity We can honestly do an internal critique of that in other religions, and it won't take long to see how inconsistent and flawed they are when compared to God's standard of morality. It's not a problem, okay? For those who will say, we're no longer under God's law, but under grace, okay? The concept of law and grace in the scriptures is speaking specifically concerning salvation, individual salvation of the person, not national governance. For national governance, we have to look at Romans 13 talks about how the nations need to govern and their accountability before God, we still have to govern ourselves as people and not everyone will be under grace. Or should I say, we all know not everyone is Christian. But even the surrounding nations outside of Israel in the Old Testament were judged for their immoralities. This demonstrates that there is a standard of law that must be followed by the individual and by the nation, it's the same standard. Only that internally with regard to the individual his or her walk with God, the law comes out of the outflow of love and devotion one has to God. But with regard with regard to, to nations, they must carry on and judge, rule, and govern their people by God's just standard. The nations are subject under God to do justice for its people under a godly standard or will be judged for itself for, for, for not doing so. Okay, Romans thirteen demonstrates how God will hold accountable nations because He is over them, regardless of whether they recognize Him or not. God has always held kingdoms and nations to His standard. Thus, this is why it is important for nations to acknowledge the God of Heaven. God will judge them. Okay, as in Psalm two. So let's read Psalm two, starting at verse ten. Therefore be wise, O kings, be admonished, O judges of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in your rebellion. When his wrath ignites in an instant, blessed are those who take refuge in him. If you say we're not in a theocracy, I'd say of course we're not in a theocracy, and we wouldn't want to be in a theocracy, but what is meant by Christ is Lord? What is meant by christ is king christians say that all the time do you really believe god is lord that christ is lord and 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 christ is king do you believe in a kinglin, a kingly uh a kingdom christian well yes he is a king and although our nation may not be a theocracy but we're ruled by a king we'll be judged by a king and there's more to this world than the dirt we step on every day. There are spiritual realities that are just as real as the physical ones. If, you tr- if you're truly spiritual, you'll know this. And God has placed the nations under accountability. Let's read Romans 13, uh, one through six, okay? Romans 13, one through six. Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, And those which exist are established by God, you see? There's no authority except from God. And those which exist are established by God, see, God has established. Therefore whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. Okay, For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing, meaning it does not execute judgment. For it is a minister of of God an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. Okay, that was Romans 13. So the question ultimately is, by what standard is a nation to govern itself? By secularism, by Sharia law? If you acknowledge the creator God of the Bible, there's only one standard by which we need to know what is right and just if you can't see or agree with this you have to ask yourself what is wrong with god's standard and how can man possibly measure up to god's standard now i have to say that now laws how laws are implemented under god's standard is another story but they need to be acknowledged nonetheless that we know for sure but so many christians have avoided old testament study so much and churches haven't done much to teach on the moral code in the old testament that christians now parrot the ignorance of the world and are literally ashamed and intimidated of their own new testament old testaments in their bibles it's embarrassing and sad but true the world criticizes and falsely judges god's standard of law and instead of believers running to get a historical and theological understanding of the truth they would rather stay away from the old testament altogether i did a podcast series related to defending and answering some of this on my podcast series answering it's called i, I named it answering dishonest skeptics you can go check that out i uh, go over old testament bible difficulties and some things that are pretty popular in terms of people the world um trying to refute script the scriptures the old testament the the, the old testament law okay um i'll say the severity we see in the old testament application of the law was for emphasis and to demonstrate exactly how evil we are when juxtaposed with god's holiness for instance today if we see all these false prophets and teachers that have sprung up today and see the damage they've done to the witness of christianity and the culture we look back and can see how severely wicked false prophets indeed are by the way the old testament law dealt with them the same goes for murder injustice idolatry it's by looking at the Old Testament law that we can remember how wicked those things are by the way God regarded them and by the way God ordered men to deal with them in the law. Again, the application of enforcement and administering justice today against various evils today is up to the nations and people and laws and their, you know, for for people to decide on how to apply those things. But overall the point is here that there has to be a standard of law and a morality, and it ain't going to come from the fallible minds and hearts of men. We see that the secularist experiment has led to, in our day, and secularism is the antichrist beast system that, like the, an ogre with many tentacles, introduces feminism, false ideologies, identity issues, lust, and sexual revolution, and disorder and chaos in society. That's what breeds chaos, and that's what we're seeing today. Okay? The, what's what secularism, what the not-God worldview has spawned? You can go in one direction or another, but it's always what comes out of the fruit of secularism. An evil subjective moralism that denies God and wants to place itself as the arbiter of truth and morality. Okay? It indeed is either Christ or chaos. So again, we have recognized... We have to recognize that we are already involved in politics because politics is about laws and laws are about morality and morality is about what is right and wrong and for that we need a standard. And God has made us salt and light. If those answers don't come from us, and we're supposed to be the preservers of the land as in salt, and the light of the truth of God as in light, I don't know what else to tell you. Instead. What you'll have is a representation in local, state, and federal government making decisions about your children and and grandchildren and the future, and you, Christian, will be playing soccer mom and baking cookies for your church congregations, meeting once a week, and that's all the salt and light you're going to be on the earth. Really? Is that what you believe? God meant by you need to be salt and light, and those who will be holy will suffer persecution? Okay? I think he meant more than that. Okay? Wake up, church. We got work to do but first we have to wake up thanks for listening any questions or comments for me feel free to add to this conversation leave me a voice comment on the link provided Um, and let's continue praying for our families our nation our leaders for wisdom and humility and also for power and for courage okay these are important things don't be don't be shy about this whole idea let's get rid of the attacks and the scars Uh, that the culture has given us in secularism intimidating people throwing out lies constantly bombarding lies and christians fall for these things all the time okay you know let's pray again let's pray for power and for courage uh because we're going to need it in the years ahead okay until next time praise god and god bless take care All right, you're listening to True News 365, a podcast, blog, cultural commentary, and Christian ministry set out to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ, to reach out to those who will have ears to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit. Check out truenews365.com for updates on blogs, videos, and more podcasts. And don't forget to share if you care. Until next time, God bless.